anxiety are your thoughts living out in the future or living out in uncertainty or living out of control. There are practices that help you regulate your nervous system, that help you rewire your beliefs, that help you step into more of your confidence and your power so that sustainably over time, you become the person who reaches your dreams. Hello, and welcome to the Anxious and Ambitious podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm on a mission to change the way that we think about anxiety. Oftentimes, it can feel like anxiety can get in the way of our ambitions, and I'm here to tell a different story. In each episode, we'll explore how we can manage our anxiety, heal our nervous system, and conquer our fears so we can shine as our most authentic self, go after our biggest dreams, and achieve our greatest ambitions. You'll hear stories from people who have been there themselves and strategies from experts who can help you thrive. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Today, I am so excited to be joined by the beautiful Ashley Mondor. Ashley is a spirited repairer of broken hearts and a seeker of lost souls. She works with her clients to help them repair deep cuts, long-standing wounds from this life and from others. And she also specializes in making hearts feel new again, which I just love. She lives for walking through the shadows with her clients so that they can heal, gain clarity on their heart's desires, and take action on making their wildest dreams come true. How are you doing today, Ashley? Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here with you, Nicole. My heart is like pew, 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 confetti. Amazing. So Ashley and I actually met through the work that I do with Life with Passion and Christine McAllister, and I immediately felt connected to Ashley and just honestly, truly inspired by her. Um, At the time, I was leaving my corporate nine to five job and she had left her nine to five not too long before me. And this big leap caused a bunch of anxiety to come up for me at the time. So seeing her being able to take that big leap before me to pursue this life with passion was just so inspirational and impactful for me. So how long ago was it now, Ashley, that you left your nine to five? Yeah, I took the leap back a year and a half ago. So this January will be two years and I am so freaking proud. Yeah, that's amazing. So inspiring and just really exciting. And especially with how the world of work is changing these days, like I think they're calling it the great resignation is going on. So I know many people are doing the same thing that we did and they're navigating, I'm sure the anxiety that has come up along with leaving that comfortable corporate job in order to pursue a life that they're more passionate about. So what kind of feelings came up for you when you were leaving your nine to five job? Oh my God. I, I sweat like nothing I've ever in my life. I was like, buckets of sweat. And I had a lot of anxiety. I didn't sleep well. Even when I gave my resignation, I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm leaving these incredible benefits, a super well-paying job. Like this is very comfortable. It's stable. Uh, But then even though I couldn't sleep, I was like, this is time. Like, what if it's even better than I could have ever thought? What if it's so magical? And so I'm so grateful. And I know when people come to me, when they're going to think about leaving their job, those feelings, they're so overwhelming because you are conditioned to want stability and safety and comfort, but there's magic on the other side. Yes, there seriously is magic, but it's so overwhelming, especially at first. And when you feel safe. So how did you navigate that fear and uncertainty that you were feeling? 
Yeah. So one of the key things for me was I actually, Christine was my mentor and she is a business coach. So she helped me get to this place where I could leave, but also she coached me like live on her podcast, working through my fears, a lot of like, what's the worst that could truly happen for you if you left and just going down what my brain needed to present all of the shadows, all of the doubts, all of the overwhelm, the fear, and just seeing like, actually I'm extremely resourceful. If the worst thing for me is I have to go back to a nine to five, fine. I'm still going to do this work in this business, no matter what, because it's my life's calling. But if truly the worst thing to happen is I have to get another job for a little bit, like that's, I'm not going to die, you know? Mm-hmm, for sure. And I think when we're first doing it, we expect all these the worst things to happen, you know, and all that unsafety comes up in our body. Like I'm going to become homeless or all these crazy things, which you're like, realistically, is this actually going to happen though? So I love that idea of laying out, um, those different things that you're uncertain about so that you can really get clear on what the truth is. Mm -hmm. When I totally thought that I was going to be like a troll living under the bridge, giving people riddles to make money. And I was going to have to donate blood and no one would ever want to work with me. And I was like, that's literally what my brain is saying. Okay. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. Uh, I had a very similar experience and I specifically remember sitting down and journaling and writing out all the things that I was telling myself on one side and then being like, what is the actual truth in this situation? Granted, this is how I'm feeling and very valid, but what's the truth, right? Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. a gorgeous practice. Mm, Yeah. Um, So I'm sure this, along with many other reasons, a lot of people just don't even go after those ambitious dreams and they don't leave their nine to five and maybe they just don't even feel like it's time. So what would you feel like made you realize that now was the time to take the leap? That's an incredible question. And the thing that I tell my clients, some people in the world can be like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to freaking make the leap. I'm going to go after it with like nothing because they think that's what's going to put the fire under them to do the thing. For me, I can't have that. Like one of my core subconscious fears is like, I'm not safe. So I needed to create a safety net where I basically had like six months worth saved in my bank account. So that if, if no one worked for me for an entire six months, I could still pay my bills. I could still put food in my fridge, right? And so having that, it also allowed me to come into my business with every single offer I've ever brought without scarcity. I never wanted to sell from a place of lack, scarcity, or desperation because energetically, I would be a match for that. And so it's like, if I could come from abundance and wholeness and like really full from my heart and people felt that, then I will be successful. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Really giving yourself that safety net so that you're able to feel safe as you navigate these uncertain kind of scary territories. I'm sure that a lot of imposter syndrome probably came up along the way for you too. How would you explain imposter syndrome for those of the listeners that aren't aware of what it is? Yeah. So I think that imposter syndrome is really fear or doubt around your gifts and your abilities, or you feel like a fraud or you're not enough. And 
you can have these feelings and you may not actually understand that's what it is, but it really dictates when you feel like you don't know enough or you're not enough or who are you to have or do the thing, right? It's going to dictate how you show up in your business. And often what does that look like? Self-sabotage. You don't show up to speak your truth. For me, I was so afraid of being on podcasts. I was so afraid when I first started my business. I'm like, who's going to listen to me? I'm, I'm literally no one. Like, I, But then when you really sit with it, the thing that helps you is I know enough I'm learning because I'm learning. I can share. And that puts me in integrity to be able to do this work. Mm, I love that. And I love how you touched on the fact that because I'm learning, it puts me in integrity because I think a lot of us, we get so caught up on, you need to keep learning all these things and I'm not ready. I need to learn this first before I can actually launch the thing, do the thing. But the fact is there's so much knowledge out there. You could dig through the knowledge and never take action. And uh, something I heard recently, it was talking about how when you're learning something and you're dedicated to learning that thing and you're practicing it daily, that is the definition of a master, right? A master is somebody who's dedicated to their craft and practices it daily, which you do. So you are a master, Ashley. Thank you. So how do you say imposter syndrome plays into anxiety? I would say from a subconscious perspective. So what happens is and I teach clients this, we have thought loops, right? So we have a thought that comes in and then that thought creates a feeling and an emotion in our body. And then that emotion dictates whether we do or don't take action or whatever that behavior is, which then creates results in your life. So the thing is, is if you were to go back around that loop and you're like, I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling like an imposter. I feel like I don't know enough. I'm not enough that's actually your thought telling you something. And so anxiety are your thoughts living out in the future or living out in uncertainty or living out of control. So if you feel like you're not in control or you don't feel like you know enough, what happens then? We don't show up in the way that we want. We don't chase after our dreams. The things that are literally so compelling to us, what our heart wants, we're not going to go after it because our brain is like, "Eh, sorry, (laughs) it's not safe to do that. And we're going to stop you and make you doubt yourself or make like one of the things I saw, I don't know if this happened for you, but I will be so pumped about something. And I'm like, I'm going to talk about it tomorrow, or I'm going to do it tomorrow the next day, because I don't feel safe, literally no energy dead to the world, like a dead fish. And that's one of the ways that the brain works. Cause it's like, don't get too big. Don't Mm. ask for too much. Don't like don't think that, you know, everything. What if you're too successful? What if you fail? So your brain loves you. And it's like, well, you could die. Yeah. It's trying to keep you safe, but at the same time, it keeps you stuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think one of the biggest things has been that's helped you to move through that imposter syndrome? One of the things that has been the most helpful for me is I gave myself permission to try. I gave myself permission to see my imposter syndrome and see my fear and love it for just trying to keep me safe. But I decided that because this is my purpose, I'm going to take a step every single day. I'm going to take my fear by the hand and I'm going to walk with it because I have this belief that you and I, and everyone who's listening, we're here for a very specific reason, especially because it's an extremely heavy, dark time on the planet. We're here to be the light. We're here to be love. We're here to show people another way, a way where people aren't locked into the matrix or these systems and structures that are oppressive and keep your spirit down. So I would rather be so much bigger than my fear and my anxiety and my imposter syndrome. 
and still see it and love it. But you can take little steps forward so that you're like, brain, we're going to do this no matter what. And the little steps help you build confidence. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Taking little steps is so key. I think we always overwhelm ourselves when we're just trying to do everything at once, which is so natural and normal. Um, and walking with that fear, but at the same time, as much as it's nice to say, like we walk with that fear, it can be so uncomfortable at times, right? Like navigating our ambitions is just so emotional period. And it gets really uncomfortable. So, um, this feeling of discomfort can sometimes actually get in the way and make us want to give up altogether, which is so sad because like you said, we all have these unique gifts and we should be able to move through them. And that's kind of my whole goal with this podcast is to help people to do that so that we can go after these big dreams. Um, I heard you mention in a recent post that your brain will always want to give up until it feels comfortable. So why is this? Because, and people in personal development know this, but it is your comfort zone. And whenever you get close to reaching those edges, it will do everything in its power to keep you from certain death because any new thing, anything that's bigger, even the dreams that your heart is so in love with and and desires, it doesn't matter because your brain is this machine and your brain is wired for the past and it's seeking out all of the ways to keep you from dying. So of course it's going to make you feel uncomfortable, but the thing is, is there are practices to help you. Like you said, walk with your fear. There are practices that help you regulate your nervous system, that help you rewire your beliefs, that help you step into more of your confidence and your power so that sustainably over time, you become the person who reaches your dreams. So when your brain is feeling uncomfortable and it's trying to keep you safe, it keeps you in the past, like you said. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I know for some of us, it, it can be difficult to even want to give up let's say you have an anxiety disorder, it can be difficult to want to leave that state of anxiety because your brain feels comfortable there. Even if it feels discomfort to you on a logical level to your brain, it feels comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I remember you made another post. I clearly love your Instagram. <laughs> um, and it was something about how, if you're a bird trapped in the cage, like, do you even desire to escape? Can you touch mm-hmm. on that a bit? Yeah. So we build these cages to stay small. We're also conditioned to, to stay small, especially as women on the planet, or if you are, you know, queer LGBTQ, if you are a person of color, right. You are designed to be small, to keep other people comfortable, right? Cause if you're too loud, too expressive, too successful, what does that mean about you? And I feel like all of us are here to fly. We're here to experience new skies, to spread our wings, to be our magic on the planet. But we will have this cage that we put and wrap around us so that we are comfortable, but so we make everyone else feel comfortable. So if you feel safe in your brain, literally will try to keep you in this place. If you feel so safe, I mean, how are you going to express yourself? How are you going to free yourself? But it's again, like you said, it's so out of safety. So you may not even know or be aware that there are options for you that, and they talk about this too, um, the crab effect, right? Where you could put a whole bunch of crabs in a bucket. And if you're the crab, that's like, oh my God, outside of this bucket, there's an entire oasis. There's an ocean, there's life. The other, the other crabs will try and bring the crab back down in the bucket because it's safety. Often we can be our own crab that pulls ourselves back down. Mm. Oh, that's such a beautiful way of putting it. And it's also, it's so sad in a way because so many of us, we do, we, we pull ourselves back into that spot where it feels safe. 
And I think that's why it's so important, especially as somebody who's ambitious. And when you know that you have this meaning and this purpose to bring to the world that you need to take that time and do that inner healing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why would you say um, inner healing is so important from your perspective? Because I know this is a lot of what you do in your work. Yeah, I, I am the embodiment of my work. I am here today because of the sheer amount of shadow work and belief work that I've done on myself, the imposter syndrome, the, all of the fears of rejection and failure, and really truly rewiring my nervous system to believe that I am worthy of feeling successful, that I am worthy of being here and doing this work in the world. And I am, it took me four years to get out of my nine to five. And it, the journey of that was so worth it. So so worth it because now of who I am in the, in the world before I couldn't even like hold a microphone. I couldn't talk to people about my offers. I couldn't even show up on IG stories, right? Like I was so afraid of being seen, but what does it take when you want to do something like this? You have to be the type of person who, who can be seen and, and serve from your heart and sales and all of these things but it's the journey over time and doing it sustainably, right? Doing the belief work or working with someone who can hold your hand through it so that you can shift and transform into the person who has your dream. That's been the key for me. Mm, I love that. And it's funny that you talk about navigating these deep wounds and having those fears of being unworthy because from an outside looking in, it seems like you're so confident showing up on social media and all that. So it's so awesome. And now you actually help other people to do that deep work. And I can imagine that as a, I mean, for anybody who's helping anybody navigate anything uncomfortable, it can bring up uncomfortable feelings for yourself as well. So how do you navigate working with those heavier emotions? Yeah. So part of it is twofold. One, I am a mirror for a lot of people because of the sheer amount of pain and wounding that I've walked through in the trauma. So I have navigated things like infidelity, sexual, mental, emotional, you know, abuse. I've walked through manipulation. I've walked through divorce. Like I've walked through all of these things. So I know what that pain feels like. And I show what it's like to be on the other side right now. I have a soulmate level love. I have this incredible business that is literally the joy of my life. And so I attract these clients who have gone through a lot of pain, but they know I can hold their hand with integrity. The other key to this One of the game changers for me, because I didn't, I wasn't this way when I first learned when I got like my master NLP certification and master hypnotherapy and all this Reiki, all that stuff was becoming trauma informed. I learned that I can be the most of service when I sit from people who have gone through a lot of pain to regulate my own nervous system, to be in coherence with my heart and holding that energetic space. And the reason why your nervous system is your fight, flight, fawn, freeze response, right? So if someone's going to share with me, I need to hold that space. Also your heart, literally you guys in energy field radiates from your heart, like three feet out. Right. But your brain is like maybe a foot if that. So if I can hold the space in a coherent matter, meaning you're a, like a, a sine wave, right? Like a very smooth sine wave. If I can hold that for them, People feel safe to be seen, but I, it starts with me. Right. I love that. It really does start with you as the healer because, um, that nervous system, I mean, if you're getting triggered as they are talking about their triggers, then I'm sure it wouldn't allow you to be able to help them so deeply. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And um, in addition to this inner healing side, I also hear you talking a lot about manifesting. So how do inner healing and manifesting intertwine themselves? That's such a good question, Nicole. So, So I believe that manifestation at the end of the day is energy and it's belief work. And when you heal your energy raises, right? Because what's happening, you are healing old wounds. You are shaking off heavy burdens and anything that you may be carrying with you. You're changing your belief structures. So when you do that and you love yourself enough to heal your vibration raises, when your vibration raises and you're clear on what it is you want, you speak to the universe in a different way. And the universe speaks in energy. So if you show up as a certain energy and it's a very high vibrational, high vibe state, you will be a match for those things. Yes. Mm -hmm. Becoming a vibrational match and really raising your state. I think inner healing is so important for that. Um, And along the lines of inner healing, I know that you help people work through a lot of their witch wound. How would you define the witch wound? Oh, yes. Okay. So the witch wound for me, first off, my mom was or is a witch, right? So I grew up in this way. But the witch wound basically is the fear of being seen, the fear of being heard, the fear of, you know, really actually trusting your intuitive gifts. Part of it is through the um, the burning times and the Salem witch trials. All, we saw that as a collective. That was a collective pain and trauma. Well, what happens? We store those in our genetics and it gets passed down generation generationally. So because that's passed down, those all live within us. The witch wound then presents as self-doubt, self, we like don't trust ourselves. We don't show up in our magic. We don't believe in our gifts. Maybe there are cultural healing modalities that we totally push aside because we feel like, you know, what if we're hunted? What if we're rejected? What if we're outcasted? And consciously people are like, that's no, no, no. But really, if you hedge, if you stop yourself from speaking your truth, if you don't follow your heart and where that magic is calling you, that's the witch wound. Mm. So that really plays into a lot of what we talked about before with the being afraid of being seen and being heard, but then tying back into past lives. So how do you work with the healing of this, these past life generational wounds? Yeah. So I have two, one is the Akashic records. So the Akashic records for people who don't know is the library of your soul and every single thought experience that you've ever had in every single lifetime. So you can access that and go back to those lifetimes. I have three actually. So I have the Akashic records. I have this therapy that's called time techniques and it speaks directly to your subconscious mind. So your subconscious mind is storing all of these images, all of these fears, all of these thoughts. And we help you go back in time if that's where your subconscious wants to go. And then lastly, I created a subliminal of all of these like really beautiful affirmations that my clients listen to once a day for 30 days, because you need to build the neural pathway, but subliminal tracks are me speaking these seriously magical affirmations to your subconscious mind to help you rewire it. Ooh, actually rewiring the mind. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Yeah. I think, um, at the subliminal level, it's so important when you're doing that healing to not just do it at the conscious level, but also to get down into the subconscious. So I love that you do that. And I think it's so cool that you're able to access the Akashic records and help people in this way. Um, how did you learn how to do that? Uh, so it's wild. I grew up growing up, right. I've been on this spiritual path for eight years or since I was eight. So since I was eight, I've been doing this and I always thought that the Akashic records were for people who are special. I didn't know that just like anyone can go into the records if they feel called to it. So I found this woman and she was basically channeling the Akashic records. Her name is Ashley Wood. She is a pioneer 
outside of Dr. Linda Howe, who brought and channeled the pathway prayer for people to access um, through. So Ashley learned from Dr. Linda Howe, and then Ashley created this program. And I remember feeling so called to it, but afraid, like, what if I can't do this? Like, what if it's not for me? And I remember I was pulling um, Oracle cards because I do that almost every day just to connect with my intuition. And for seven days in a row, I got the coming home card. And I thought that what are the probabilities of that? You know, like I can't even make that up. And so I, I was like, you know what, if anything, I'm just going to do this for me. So I jumped in, purchased the course and I was watching it. It's like a two hour course where you can learn all of these beautiful things, right? Halfway through at like the 222 or 232 hour mark, I was just watching my phone stopped. It just stopped itself. I had full battery. And so I was like, that's so weird. Why? So I hit play and the exact sentence she said after was, and reading the records felt like coming home. Oh my gosh. I literally got goosebumps the first time that you said coming home. And now after hearing that come full circle, wow, it was definitely meant to be for sure. Mm-hmm. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was navigating a lot of anxiety around my own awakening, especially when I was diving deeper in this way. And something that really helped me that you said is to focus on finding play and making it fun. And I remember specifically that you said presence over patience, because this is the unfolding of you. And I just loved that. I can't even believe that. Like that was me. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just remember being like, I want to be patient and, you know, allow things to unfold as they're meant to be, because as we do, we want to push and we want to force our way through, but that's not how you're able to tap into that inner, more powerful side of you. So can you talk to us a little bit more about the importance of play, especially in navigating anxiety? Oh my God. Thank you for asking this. I think no one is talking about it and it's so important. So the key with play is play brings you back to joy, wonder, and curiosity. Play is actually one of the ways in the most profound ways that your communication with spirit happens because play is a very high vibrational feeling, right? A very high vibe, just communication. So when you are in play, you're in presence because you are not worried about the future. You're not worried about failing. You're not worried about rejection or if you like, you know, someone doesn't resonate with you. Play is you in the moment with your spirit. And so when you allow yourself to play in that way, like I get the most incredible downloads. I get like ideas for offers. And when I'm in play, I'll come back and people will send me DMs or I'll have someone book a heart to heart session with me or something like wild things happen, but we are conditioned not to play. Mm. Yeah. Which is so sad. And part of the thing about play is your spirit speaks in imagination. So a lot of people say, I'm not clairvoyant. Like I'm not clairaudient. I'm not these things. And it's like, actually everyone is, we all have access, but it's through our imagination. Mm. Yeah. And you're so right. I don't think nearly enough people are talking about the importance of play. Like you always hear about presence and mindfulness when it comes to anxiety and mental health in general, but I feel like play is sort of pushed to the side. And it's kind of curious that we're here talking about this now, because thinking now about it, I was a recreation therapist for a long time and I still am, but I was practicing it, um, working with seniors And within that, a lot of what we do is encouraging them to find play and find presence in the moment and not worry about whether or not you're good at it and not worry about what's going on with your health or in your family or any of that drama and just really be present in the moment. 
And I had so many people telling me that like the work that I did with them was so impactful. And I just think more people need to sort of embrace this idea of, you know, do recreation therapy in your own life, embody this idea of play. Oh God. Changing Mm -hmm. lives, Nicole. That's it. (laughs) You just got to take your own advice, right? (laughs) Yeah, seriously, seriously. So how do you prioritize play within your own life? Oh, my, one of my most favorite things to do is to go hiking in the woods and to a lot of people, this is going to sound ridiculous, but you're going to love me for it. Mm. I, I believe fairies and fae and elves and gnomes and all of these beautiful magical elemental creatures exist. So it's like, I go out with wonder. I'm like, Oh my God, like, what am I going to see today? What if I feel something? What is this flower? Right? Like, Oh, it's so beautiful. And so I do that. And then also a lot of times, at least what's been really helpful for me is I have a playlist of really high vibe songs. That's it's like my jams playlist. So I will put that in when I'm feeling like, Oh, what am I doing with my life? I'm so down. Or I'm like, I'm so far out in the future. Like what's happening. What if no one buys for me? I put on that playlist and I just go bounce around Mm. and it's so fun. Yes. Dancing and like really embodying music, I think is so key. We're always, I think a lot of us, we get anxiety around dancing, especially if we think, oh, I'm not a good dancer, but even just wiggling your hips is like the best way to release trauma and upgrade your state. So I love that those are two of the big ways you do that. Do you do any like sort of arts, like painting or anything like that? No, I'm a terrible painter. And (laughs) I like really judge myself because it like at those painting classes, right? How come mine never looks like what the person paints and who teach it? Why? Right. So I don't, um, but mainly dancing. And another thing that I do that feels like play because I am so obsessed with spirituality and tools and modalities. I just give myself time to go down rabbit holes. Like I will watch documentaries on Gaia and just like jam with it. And it feels like play to me. Mm, I love that. And, you know, that kind of just speaks to the point where if you're living out your passion, you don't have to work a day in your life. Right. Cause I mean, in a way that's you helping to advance your knowledge and build your business in some type of way. Right. But mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like that. Totally. <laughs> that's so awesome. Well, wow. We've covered so much and, um, thank you so much for all these amazing gems that you shared, Ashley. So amazing. Um, to wrap things up a bit here, I'd really just love to hear what advice would you give to someone who is currently struggling with anxiety to encourage them in achieving their ambitions? That's such a good question. So the key thing for me that has been truly the game changer is rewiring my nervous system through conscious breathing. So I have four breath alarms in my phone and each one has an affirmation or a belief in it that I want to you know, have my neural pathways rewired too. So what do those breath alarms look like? They're box breathing, right? The four by four by four by four. And I will do three to four loops or rounds of them. And after every round, I, I tell myself with my hands on my heart, like I tell that belief to myself. And part of the thing is when you close your eyes, right. And you're in the moment and you're holding your heart, the gateway to your soul and your breathing, you are resetting your nervous system. You're coming back to presence. You're not living out in the future. And it's a free freaking tool that anyone can do. And if it's good enough for the Marines, it can be good enough for us. (laughs) Yeah. And it's free. I mean, it was literally gifted to us, right? Something we don't even have to think about Mm -hmm. and deep breathing. Um, especially if anyone's ever interested in breath work, it literally changes your vibrational state. Mm, 
which of course ha- helps with achieving those ambitions as well as navigating the anxiety. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, Ashley, where can our listeners find you? Thank you. So I hang out a lot on Instagram at ashley.mondor uh, or M-O-N-D-O-R, my last name, right? <laughs> um, I hang out a lot there. I hang out in stories because it feels like play for me. And I talk about spirituality and I talk about business and I talk about love and trauma and wounding and pain and the fears that we talked about today. So that's my favorite place. Otherwise, my website is a cool place too, because I built it myself and I'm very proud and it's ashleymondor.com. Amazing. And don't you have something um, specific around witch wounds that our listeners could maybe look at? Yeah, thank you. So I created a subliminal track that's $33 and it's 30 minutes. And I would say if you feel called to wanting to be seen more and to be heard and to step into your magic and to own your gifts on the planet, it's a really beautiful, subtle way to help you shift by listening to it uh, for 30 days. So it helps you rewire your neural pathways. The energy I infused into it is so loving in the affirmations you can see, because I always want to, you know, talk to your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And so if someone were to buy that, they would get the affirmations. Um, but truly it's so fun. The feedback I'm getting on it is wild. Ah, that's so fun. Yeah. I think the witch wound is something that, um, isn't really talked about that often. So I love that you've actually created a tool to help people move through that. It's so amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. It's been so great talking with you. And, um, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, then please do leave a review and comment and, you know, share it with all your friends. Anything that you can do would really help to support this show. So thank you.